Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches, Gittin, Daf, Pei, Gimel. We are starting at the two dots, about 10 lines down at the Tanu Rabbanu. Today we're going to do a deep dive analysis on the Shita of Rabbi Eliezer that we learned yesterday. Rabbi Eliezer yesterday, in the beginning of our Mishnah, at the beginning of the Perek, had a very unique Shita. And if you flip back to Pei, Bez, and Madalaf just for a moment, the open of the Perek will help us for uh, today's Daf. The case was, Hamagarish es ishto, that if a man was to divorce his wife, and while he was handing her the getva, Amar lo, he said to her, Arat muteras l'chol adam ploni. In our divorce, you will then be allowed to marry anyone in the world except for person X. And Rabbi Eliezer had said in our Mishnah Matir that she was then allowed to marry all but that person. Namely, the divorce was effective with the exception of, let's say, Shimon, whoever the case may be. Now, that's a very difficult shita. Um, <coughs> and the Gemara... And this Brisa tells us that after Rabbi Eliezer died, the Tanaim went to town. They couldn't, they couldn't handle his shita. They were polite when he was alive. And says the Gemara, Tanu Rabban al-Achrab Rabbi Eliezer, after he died, four of the greats, as we will soon see who they are, these four great people, these four great Tanaim, sat down to say, now that he's died, I have to say, I don't understand what he was talking about. Who are these people? Let's see, in order. Number one, Eluhain, Rabbi Yossi Haglibi, Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria, Rabbi Akiva. Sounds like a nice Hebra like from the like the Haggadah. So it's the Pesach, Pesach Hebra. Mm-hmm. So clearly they got together more than once. And uh, over here, they were here to um, uh, to lay an attack of sorts against Rabbi Eliezer. Now, let's just say, Balabatish, it is difficult to understand the sheet of Rabbi Eliezer. If you make a condition, a condition of a divorce, that you're allowed to marry anyone in the world except for one person, how does that function as crisis? How does that function as a proper separation? How does he have any control over her after a divorce is instituted? So that's just a basic Balabatish challenge to Rabbi Eliezer. And these four Tanoim have very, very deep and bigger concerns, but I'm just expressing basic terms why Rabbi Eliezer's shita is difficult. So let's jump in one at a time. We're going to learn all four shitas, and then we're going to analyze all four shitas. Here's shita number one, 12 lines down. Nene Rabbi Tarfon. Rabbi Tarfon gave a response to Rabbi Eliezer's shita. The Omar, he said as follows, I don't understand. Let's say that the person that let's say the husband said to Rachel, you can marry everyone in the world but Chaim. And she doesn't marry Chaim, but she marries Chaim's brother. She had forbidden her, her from marrying Chaim. And then she went to go marry Chaim's brother, whose name is Yaakov. She married uh, uh, Yaakov, and Yaakov died without children. And guess what? Then she falls to Yibum, to the person who the husband said, She's not allowed to marry. Says the Gemara, Lo nimsa ze oker torah. Isn't this a challenge, says the Gemara? Says the Gemara against Rabbi Eliezer. If he says that Chaim is usher to marry, so then an avla has happened in Klal Yisrael, that she's not allowed to marry even the brother of Chaim, because if she marries the brother of Chaim and the brother dies with, and she has no kids, then she's not allowed to marry Chaim. Chaim was usher in the original deal, and therefore, halamadet she'en zekrisos. That's answer number one. I should say argument number one. That's Rabbi Tarfon. By the way, it's interesting to note that the four people are presented in the initial list in a different order than they're presented over here. Uh, so just, uh, uh, although you'll see a correction on the side, I have in the Hagos Vitzionim, it says over here, it should have been Rabbi Tarfon first and then Rabbi Yossi Aglili. So was this, was this on purpose? Was it not on purpose? Fine, let's continue. Then the Gemara says, 
piped up and he said, I have another reason why I don't like the sheet of Rabbi Eliezer. Where do we have a scenario that a woman is allowed to marry person X, but she's not allowed to marry person Y? After all, it should be that Ha'asr, that if she's not allowed to marry a man, she's not allowed to marry any man. And if she is allowed to marry any man, then she should be allowed to marry any single man. Why is it that over here there is a seemingly this oddity that she's allowed to marry most men, just not just not Chaim? So says the Gemara, Halamadit, that says Rabbi Yossi Aglili, it must therefore be Shein Zekrisos, that this is not considered Krisos. Let's learn the third Shita. This Shita is going to become quite important, as we'll soon see. The Pasuk says, that there has to be a severance between her and him. What do we see from here? By virtue of the fact that in the case of Rabbi Eliezer, he said that they're divorced with the exception of Chayim. That's not a full severance. As we can see, there's still some tethering between the Isha and her Baal in that she's not allowed to marry Chayim even after the divorce. So says the Gemara, that's Shita number three. And Shita number four is really Rabbi Akiva, two versions of Rabbi Akiva, which will be a total of five Shitas. So it's Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. Rabbi... So what was the case we just said? Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. Rabbi ben Azariah was bothered by the fact that this isn't Krisus. Why isn't this Krisus? Because a Krisus is a full severance between the husband and the wife. But here there's a lingering non-severance in that she's not allowed to marry Chaim. So if the husband has any hold over the wife after the divorce, that's not a full Krisus. That's why he says that Rabbi Eliezer in our Mishnah is a very difficult sheet. And then a third of the way down, four lines before the wide lines, he said, I have a different problem than all of you. Says the Gemara. Let's say she goes to marry someone. And then she had children with that person. So she married a random guy. Let's uh, call him David. She goes into the shuk, she gets married, a nice Jewish guy. They start dating, they get married, have a couple of kids. And then Minis Armalonis Garsha. And then she became widowed or uh, Venice Garsha. And then she got divorced. And then the Amda love. And then after a marriage with a bunch of kids, she goes and marries the one guy that was the condition of who she should not marry, which is Chaim. So says the Gemara, Let's talk about a flow of events. Rachel used to be married to Reuven. When Reuven was divorcing Rachel, he said, we're divorced and you can hereby marry everyone except for Chaim. No problem. She goes and marries David and has three kids. David dies or they get divorced. And then she goes and marries Chaim, the guy that she's not allowed to divorce, not allowed to marry. So if she marries Chaim at any point, she has broken the condition of her get. And therefore, retroactively, the children that were born to David are Mamzerim. Because she broke the condition of her get. She broke the condition of her get, and therefore she's not divorced because her get is only chalaf. The condition is fulfilled. And it becomes retroactively retroactive mamzeris with the children that she had, that Rachel had with David. So the flow of events is that she was married to Reuven. They got divorced with the condition that she can't marry Chaim. She married David. Fine, no problem. Had three babies, no problem. Great, everything is good. And then she Hara took over for her after she got divorced from David. She went and married the guy she wasn't supposed to marry, which was Chaim, which was a break of the condition of the get. Guess what? Her get doesn't count anymore. And therefore, looking back, if the get was a zero, then the baby she had with David or Mamzerim. Halamadit, first of the long lines, She'ein ze krisus. That's not krisus. Johnny, show her what she wants. Yeah. It's the Mori Povich show, you know? She's married three people in a short time, and now all the kids from the middle marriage are all Mamzerim. 
But you look I, upset I about that. I totally disagree, but uh, Rabbi Akiva is better than I, of course. I think that's a fair statement, and I like you, but he's still yeah. better than you are. But we'll see that all of, almost all of these shitas are going to get rejected. Almost all of them. All of them have chesronos uh, in their logic, and that's what we're going to spend time digging into. And on the first of the long lines is Davar Acher. This is version 2.0 of uh, Rabbi Akiva. We just learned the case of Rabbi Akiva, the case of Ruvain, followed by David, followed by Chaim. Here it's different. Davar Acher, Harei, Shahayazeh, Shenesor Alav, Kohen, Umeis HaMegaresh. Let's say the person that she's not allowed to marry, this uh, Chaim guy is a Kohen, Umeis uh, HaMegaresh, and the husband, Ruvain, died. Lo nimtseis almona et slo. Is it not the fact? Is it not the case that as it relates to the kohen, she's an almona, ugrusha itzel kol adam, and she is a grusha as it relates to anybody else? I'm saying I'm following this. Maybe. Mm -hmm. well, if it makes you feel any better, I sometimes feel the same way. Let's do it again. First of the long lines. Let's say that when Rachel and Ruvain got divorced, Ruvain said, you can, you can marry anyone on planet Earth except for Chaim. Turns out Chaim is a Kohen. And then, Umeis HaMegaresh. So the man she's not allowed to marry, Chaim, the Kohen, is alive and well. And then, Umeis HaMegaresh, Ruvain then died after this took place. Lo Nimtes, is it not the fact that she is an almona at slow? She's an almona as it relates to the Kohen, Ugrusha Eitzel Kol Adam, and she's considered a divorcee as it relates to all people. Vikalvachomer. What's the Kalvachomer? Says the Gemara halfway down. Uma Grusha Shihikala, just like by a Grusha, where the Isser of marrying a Grusha is, relatively speaking, a low level Isser. Asura Bishfil Tzad Gerushin Shiba, and the Isser is based on the fact that she, as a Grusha, is not allowed to marry a Kohen. And Eishas Ishi, Chamura, Lokol Shekain. All the more so in a case of Eishas Ish, which is so strict, if there is an Eishas Ish component to her, she shouldn't be able to marry anybody. The Rishonim struggle with this too, Gerald, you're not the only one. Uh, and uh, the Gemara says that this is the case scenario where this is version 2.0 of Rabbi Akiva, where he says that based on this Kalvachomer, we see that there really is no Krisus when, when he maintains a, a little bit of a hold over his wife after the divorce by saying that uh, she can marry everyone but Chaim. So then after all of these shitas, after all of these shitas, we're still really, uh, we're, we're not formally in the Brisa because there's a lot of back and forth here. Uh, maybe we are still formally in the Brisa, actually. Could be that we're still in the Brisa. Anyway, says the Gemara, four lines into the wide lens, Amar lahen Rabbi Yoshua, Ein mishivin es ha'ari la'acharmisa. You cannot fight against the lion after he's died, which, of course, is a little bit of a nice... Uh, yeah, why didn't they ask him before he died? This is my question. Say there. You're asking good. But they didn't. Maybe they he was too great. I don't know. But the Gemara says that in the name of Rabbi Yoshua, you can't, you guys, none of your arguments hold up, hold water. Nothing. Nothing. Why not? We don't fight with the lion. He knows more than you do. Now, all of that is in the times of the Tanaim. A couple of hundred years later, Amar Rava, Rava says, five lines into the wide lines, Kulhu, all of the shitas that we just saw, five approaches, four of them, uh, three of them to one person, three of them, one to Rabbi Tarfon, and who was it? Rabbi Yossi Haglili and Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. And then Rabbi Akiva had two shitas. It says the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Kulhu, in all cases, Islahu Pircha, I could undermine the arguments against Rabbi Lazar in all cases. Lebar mid Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, the less la Pircha. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah was the one who says that this is simply not called Krisus. 
He was the simplest answer. It's not called crisis if the husband still has a hold over the wife. So if the husband says you're hereby divorced with the exception of Chaim, that's holding on to the wife after death. You're not allowed after divorce. You're not allowed to do that. That's crisis. And that was the only answer that held up to the test of time. All the others have been removed. Where do we see this? Tanya Namihachi, the Brisa writes this. Amrabiosi, Roe Ani as Dibi Rabbi Elazar Ben Azaria Midivre Kulan. Period. Okay, which, which sheet the hell, but the, the Rebbe found six lines before the wide lines. Rebbe ben Azariah said, Krisus is what the Torah wrote. But when the Krisus is not complete, when the Krisus is a Krisus of condition, where he says, you're divorced, you're hereby divorced for everyone on planet Earth, Earth with the exception of Chaim. So then the Gemara says, that's not called Krisus. Very, he was the simplest answer of them all and the hardest to argue. That's what the Gemara says. Now, Amar Mar, we're going to go through all of these answers that we just learned, all of the arguments against Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, and raise the questions that reject their thoughts. So we have our Shita Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. We have the five approaches in the Tanaim as to why they don't like Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. We're going to undermine all of them. That's what we're doing now. So we're about two-thirds of the way down at the two dots, seven, eight lines into the wide lines on Pegim Alamanalaf, the Gemara continues. Amar Mar. We had learned in the beginning of the Brisa at the top of this page, toward the top of this page, he had argued that if the woman decided to marry the husband of Chaim, she married the brother of Chaim, she married David. Uh, what did I say? I said his name was Yaakov last time. Uh, and then Yaakov dies and she has no kids. Then she falls to Chaim, the man she's not allowed to marry. So says the Gemara, what do we see from here? That Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah in his shita, he was Oker Dabr Torah. That because he said that she can't marry Chaim, then when she marries Chaim's brother Yaakov, and Yaakov dies and she has no kids, she falls to Yibum to Chaim, but she can't marry Chaim because Chaim was assert in the condition of Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah. Rabbi Eliezer, it must be that Rabbi Eliezer is wrong because he's being Oker Dabr Torah. He has ruined a case of Yibum. Says the Gemara, Oker, Rebbe Lazar, he wasn't Oker anything. Ihu Akar, he didn't do anything wrong. What's the big deal? Ella, you're right. Matana, Ella Masna, excuse me, Laakar Mat Davramina Torah. He made a condition that led to something that was being Davramina, that was being Okar Davramina Torah. Because he said she can't marry Chaim. And then this woman went along and married Yaakov, who was Chaim's brother. So led to this indirectly. So as Gemara Masna, he didn't make a condition. She didn't have to marry Chaim's brother. The, the planet is filled with people. Why does it have to be that she has to marry the brother of the one guy? Says the Gemara, Mika Amarla, did he say to her, Losaki la gavra? I'm only saying that you should marry the brother of Chaim. He didn't say that at all. It must be that he indirectly caused that there was some type of Akira's uh, Torah that Yibam can't take place. Says the Gemara, Goreim, what kind of cause are you talking about? If that's true, then Bas Achiv Lo Yisa. Beautiful argument. The Gemara was trying to say that if you're trying to argue that Rabbi Eliezer did something wrong by saying that she can't marry Chaim, but then she's allowed to marry Chaim's brother Yaakov. And if Yaakov dies, she falls to Yibam. If you're saying that that's a problem, then you should also say that a man can never marry his brother's daughter, which is definitely not true. But this she, is not a stipulation what you can marry anybody but this person. It's true. That's a, a, a very fine distinction, Michael. But the truth is that the construct should be the same. Because if what we're saying is that we're concerned that she may fall to Yibam to someone who's usher, then how can I ever marry my niece Hare, it, uh, she would then fall to her father if her if I died. 
right? So then that's what the Gemara says. Shema Yamas below Banavinim, Sagorim Lakor Davimina Torah. Hainu Pircha says the Gemara, this is the question that ruins the Shita of Rabbi Tarfon. So one up, one down. We started with Rabbi Tarfon, and we've asked and answered this question in such a way that there is no question anymore. And says the Gemara, Uvimai. This question is not clear on its face. It's clear from the continua continuation of the Gemara. But really what the Gemara is asking is a question that we asked the other day. Is that when our Mishnah says that, uh, when our Mishnah says at the open of the Perek, that Hare'at muteris l'chol adam ela leploni, does ela mean chutz or does ela mean almanas? So the Gemara says, when Rabbi Tarfon had given his understanding of Rabbi Eliezer, his argument against Rabbi Eliezer, did he assume that Rabbi Eliezer's case was a case of chutz or a case of almanas, going back to yesterday's sugya? So says the Gemara, Ilema bachutz, if you want to say that it just means except for, and it's not a condition, it's just a fact. So then Mishra Shari Rabbi Eliezer, then there's a case scenario where he's being very lenient. Titania, Moda Rabbi Eliezer, there is a case where Rabbi Eliezer does allow for this marriage to take place. Where is this? Moda Rabbi Eliezer, Magarish es Ishto, if a man is divorcing his wife, Ve'omar Lani Sester Adam Chutz Miploni. You're allowed to marry everyone but Chaim. She went to the Shuk, she married Yaakov, and Yaakov, the, the guy in this story, um, divorced her or died. After that, she's then allowed to marry even the initial person that she was ushered. So that's what the Gemara says, that if you say it's a case of Chutz, then Rabbi Eliezer would allow for this marriage because it's not a condition. Ella, it must be that Rabbi Tarfon's understanding of Rabbi Eliezer was Ella the Almanas, that it must be that it was conditional. That brings us to person number two. Person number two was Rabbi Yossi Haglili. And says the Gemara, what did we learn about Rabbi Yossi Haglili at the top of the page? We learned that Rabbi Yossi Haglili had a problem with Rabbi Eliezer Shita. What was the problem with Rabbi Eliezer Shita? So it says the Gemara three-fourths of the way down. Ne'ene Rabbi Yossi Haglili v'amar. Heichan matzinu asr lazeh umutr lazeh. Says the Gemara, his concern was, or Biosia Aglili's concern was, how can you have a scenario where she's free enough to marry most people, but not some people? If the man is single, he's an eligible bachelor. There's no reason why she can't marry a particular person. So his problem with Rabbi Eliezer is that Rabbi Eliezer said, you can marry everyone but one person. What's the precedence for that? That's not normal. Says the Gemara Velo, what are you talking about? We have these kinds of distinctions in halacha, almost every blot of shas. How so? Says the Gemara, We know truma and kachim are allowed for some people, but they're not for a zari, not for a regular person. Uh, so says the Gemara, I mean, you're right, but that's a little bit of a schwer answer because I'm not talking about fruits and vegetables. I'm talking about in regards to women. So that's where we should have a case scenario where if you're allowed, where a woman's allowed to marry one person, she should be allowed to marry any man. As long as they're a single man, she should be able to marry them. And if she's single, technically, even if that man is married, she could marry another man. So what's the restriction? Says the Gemara, We have some arayos, some women that you're allowed to marry, some women that you're not allowed to marry. You're allowed to marry your niece on one side, but not your niece on the other side. You can marry your brother's child. You can't marry your daughter's child. So the Gemara has a lot of these kinds of distinctions in arayos. Says the Gemara, I'm talking about in marriage. I'm not talking about in Arayos, different categories of people. We're saying if someone is marriageable, then you should be able to marry them. How could Rabbi Eliezer make a distinction? Says the Gemara, You have a woman who's married. That's a type of person who's not allowed to marry other people. 
And therefore, we see that there are some people who are allowed to, who are marriageable and some people who are not. And the Gemara says, Hainu Pircha. This then is the question against Rabbi Yossi Aglili, where we do see that there are some people who are allowed to marry and some people who are not. Shita number two has been raised and been dropped. We're no longer concerned about the Shita of Rabbi Yossi Aglili. Uvimai, what was Rabbi Yossi Aglili's understanding of Rabbi Eliezer? When Rabbi Eliezer in our Mishnah said the words Ella of Ella Laploni, is that Bachutz or is that Almanas? So says the Gemara, Uvimai. If you want to say that Rabbi Yossi Aglili's understanding of our Gemara is Almanas, so had it been that she were to have slept with someone, that he that he were to have slept with someone biznus, uh, yeah, that had he slept, slept with someone biznus, so that would be bad, but it wouldn't be the fundamental problem, only marriages. Although it must be that it can't be Almanas, rather Bachutz. And then the Gemara turns to Rabbi Akiva. Now you'll note that the flow is off because in the beginning, Brisa, on the top of the page, first we presented Rabbi Tarfon, then Rabbi Yossi Aglili, then Rabbi Lazar Ben Azariah, and then Rabbi Akiva. Now here we, we are out of order. We presented Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Yossi Aglili. We skip Rabbi Lazar Ben Azariah and we teach uh, Rabbi Akiva. Okay, so the Gemara says 12 lines or so from the bottom, Ne'ene Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva had raised his concern. The Amar, remember the concern about Mamzerus that we learned at the top of the page. This woman who was told that she can't marry Chaim, no problem. She went and she married David, and she had children with David. And then Venis Armala Oniskarsha. And then she became widowed, meaning David, the husband, the second husband died, Oniskarsha, or she, she and he divorced. And then she went and she married Chaim, the man that she's not supposed to marry. The Gemara said above in the name of Rabbi Akiva and quotes it here again. Don't we see a retroactive case of Mamzerus? That because she didn't fulfill her Tanai, so therefore the kids are now Mamzerim. Because they, if, right, let's remember again, she was married to Ruvain. He said, except for Chaim. She said, no problem, I'll go marry David. David divorced her. The only guy left was Chaim. She marries David retroactively 10 years ago. The get was dissolved. And that means that all the kids are Mamzerim. That was what Rabbi Akiva said. So Hainu Pircha, that, uh, sorry, I skipped a line. Skipped a couple of lines there. Wow. Says the Gemara, Ihachi, if it's true that this would be a case of Mamzerus, where when the third husband is married, Be'isr, retroactively the second husband and their children, the second husband's children are Mamzerim, Ihachi, then it should be true, Be'kulhu t'na'i de'alma, nami lo t'insiv. Then it should be the case that if there's any condition in regards to future marriages, she should not be allowed to get married. Because maybe 10 years from now, the condition will be fulfilled, and all of the children born to previous marriages will be mamzerim. Maybe perhaps she will not fulfill the conditions as they were stipulated. This rejects version 1.0. Of Rabbi Akiva. We know, of course, there's a Dabar Acher. We'll get there soon. But we've answered up for three of the five Shitas. And this version of Rabbi Akiva was concerned about Mamzerim, um, Uvemai. How does he understand our Mishnah, which speaks about Ella Leploni, that she's allowed to marry everyone except for person X? Is it Bachutz or is it Almanas? So says the Gemara, seven lines from the bottom, Uvemai. Ilema Bachutz. If you want to say that it means Bachutz, that it's just 
a fact on the ground that you're not allowed to marry. It's not a condition. You're just not allowed to marry this person. Says the Gemara, that's really not simple because Mishra Shara, Shari Rabbi Eliezer. Because as we saw in the version of Rabbi Tarfon, we know that that can't be the perspective here of Rabbi Akiva. Because at the end of the day, there is a case scenario where Rabbi Eliezer is matir her to marry this person, Titania. Modahai Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Eliezer agreed in the following case. The Megarish says Ishto, that for a man who divorces his wife, and he says to her, that you're allowed to marry anyone in the world except for Chaim. And then she went and married another person, So we see over here that Rabbi Eliezer is matir under certain circumstances. So it can't be that Rabbi Akiva thinks that the case of Rabbi Eliezer is bachutz. Ella, it must be, says the Gemara, that it's a case of almanas, that it's a case of it being a condition. And version 2.0 of Rabbi Akiva, Tavarachir, what did he say? Let's say that the Chaim, the man that she's not supposed to marry, is a Kohen, and the husband, Ruven, he dies. Lo nimtzeis, don't we have a case where, where she's an almana at slow? She's an almana as it relates to the Kohen. Ugrusha etzel kol adam, and considered a divorcee as it relates to everybody else, says the Gemara, v'kal v'chomer. Uma grusha sheikala asura mishum tzad gerushin b'sheba. Just like a grusha, which relatively speaking is a low level, uh, no iser kares chenek, there's no the, no major consequences. Just like in those cases, there's a tzad gerushin sheba. Eishes ish chamura lo kol shekain. Eishes ish, which is punishable by capital punishment, all the more so she should be stricted to, to people. So the Gemara says, uvemai, how do we understand Rabbi Akiva version 2.0? Within, within this version of Rabbi Akiva about this Kalva Chomer, would he say that Rabbi Eliezer in our Mishnah is talking about Bachutz or Almanas? So says the Gemara, Almanas. If you want to say that what we're talking about is Almanas, the Rabbi Eliezer in our Mishnah says it's conditional that she's not allowed to marry Chaim. So we had said earlier that there's a case of Grusha at slow business and take a look at Rashi. Garcinan Hare Lo Asra Alav Elalina say that the only Isra is in marriage. Avalaznus Grusha he at slow. She's considered if if the Kohen were to have slept with this woman, if Chaim, the Kohen were to have slept with this woman, it would not be considered anything more than Znus. So therefore it can't be Almanas Ella Bachutz. Asks the Gemara, Rabbi Akiva is talking out of both sides of his mouth. In version 1.0 of Rabbi Akiva, he was talking about a case of Almanas. He read Rabbi Eliezer in one way, which is Almanas. And in the Dabaracher, in version 2.0 of Rabbi Akiva, he read it as Bachutz. So Rabbi Akiva, Ichutz, if Rabbi Eliezer is a Chutz guy, if that's what our Mishnah means, Svirale Losiv Chutz, then I put my comma in the wrong place there. If he holds Rabbi Eliezer is really a chutz guy, then and you should argue from a position of chutz that that's what he holds. So the Gemara says the reason why Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Akiva had to give two answers is because of the following. We're going to the, we're on three lines down now. We'll be stopping four or five lines before the wide lines. I'll just take a quick pause for a break. Tomorrow, we're not going to have Sheer in person. Same with Wednesday. I'll be posting both days. Thursday, Mir Tashem, if my flights are on time, we'll be in person. If not, then I'll post earlier and I will keep you posted. So no Sheer tomorrow or the next day. Mir Tashem back in person Thursday. So says the Gemara, how can Rabbi Akiva 
understand Rabbi Eliezer in two different ways. One is our mission of being a fact that you're simply not allowed to marry her. And the second being a condition that if you marry her, then the get is batel. So says the Gemara, Rabbi Akiva Shmi'a There are those who say, he, he knew what was going on. He knew there was a machlokas about the sheet of Rabbi Eliezer. They were not clear about what he held. Maybe they didn't live at the same time. I don't know the time frame of Rabbi Eliezer. I don't know. I'm not sure. That was a good question as to why, why they didn't just ask. But they must not have overlapped. So So he said, I had to come up with two approaches to reject Rabbi Eliezer. One was a chutz approach and one was an almanas approach because I had to make sure that I covered all of my bases with Rabbi, with Rabbi Eliezer. Says the Gemara, umay pircha. What is the rejection of the davar acher? Says the Gemara, if you want to say that the reason why the Kalvachomer isn't a good Kalvachomer is because Kahuna is different. So Rabbi Eliezer, Nami we saw that Rabbi Eliezer, um, when we were defining him, we saw that he brought a raya from the Pasuk of Isha Grushame Ishah which is a Pasuk all about Kohanim. So says the Gemara, Rava, the Shita of Rava, who said that all of the answers are rejectable, with the exception of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. He said, He held like Rabbi Yanai, which was not talking about Kahuna, and therefore, we can bring back the possibility that maybe Rabbi Akiva's case was only talking about a coin, and therefore not a raya against Rabbi Eliezer. Now let's go back to that cryptic line where Amar Lahen Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua looked back at all four people, Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Yossi, Aglili, Rabbi Lazar, Ben Azariah, and Rabbi Akiva. And he had said to them, He had said, I don't accept any of your opinions. You can't fight with Rabbi, El with Rabbi Eliezer after he dies. He's a lion. You guys are a bunch of cubs. There's nothing to talk about. He's bigger than you. Leave it be. So says the Gemara, there's something odd about this. Lememra, does this imply to Rabbi Yoshua himself that it's Kavase Svirule? Remember, Rabbi Eliezer has this very difficult shita, that if a husband puts into place a condition about the divorce, that she's mutaris to everyone except for Chaim, he says that she's actually divorced and not allowed to marry Chaim. When Rabbi Yoshua says, everybody, you're not allowed to argue with Rabbi Eliezer because he's an Ari, does that mean that Rabbi Yoshua himself agrees that she's mut mutaris to everybody except for Chaim? After all, he himself has some difficulties with the shita of Rabbi Eliezer. He is not kafdor referach. He doesn't love everything that he's hearing from Rabbi Eliezer. So says the Gemara, Hachi ka'amar lehu. We're a quarter of the way down on Pegim Lamed Beis. Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Eliezer, uh, Rabbi Yoshua, excuse me, says back to all four Rabbanim, to Rabbi Tarfon, to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, to Rabbi Lasser ben Azar, and Rabbi Akiva. And he says, Hachi ka'amar lehu. This is really what I'm telling you. Lididinami isli pircha. I also have difficulties with the sheet of Rabbi Eliezer. His sheet is very difficult. How can you put a condition into a get like that to say that you're mutaris to everyone except for one person? It's not mistaber. She's not divorced if you're restricting her from marrying one person. That's not krisus. Mihu. Bein lididi, bein Whether or not it's me or you, says, says Rabbi Yoshua, I know it's difficult. I agree with you. And it doesn't matter. Ein meshiv nesari lachar misa. Respect. We're not fighting against Rabbi Eliezer. He is the, the Gadol Hador. We are, and I'm speaking about great people, we are lower than he is. Saying this about Rabbi Akiva feels uncomfortable, but they were kafuv to Rabbi Eliezer. And Rabbi Yoshua wouldn't hear about it. You guys got to stop. I agree with you. I don't understand it either. I agree. I, I don't have shot. But we hold like Rabbi Eliezer. Says the Gemara, 
Umay Pircha the Rabbi Yoshua. Says the Gemara, the, the Gemara had said a, a line ago that Rabbi Yoshua himself has a difficulty with the Shita of Rabbi Eliezer. What is the challenge of the Shita of Rabbi Eliezer according to Rabbi Yoshua? Says the Gemara de Tanya. This is a stark and simple Balabatish argument found in Abraisa. Why is it that we have a difficulty with the Shita of Rabbi Eliezer? Let's review for the 10th time. Rabbi Eliezer says that if a husband stipulates you're free to marry anyone you want, with the exception of Chaim, that she's still divorced. Says the Gemara de Tanya, Amar Rabbi Yoshua, our Rabbi Yoshua, the same one who says that he's an Ari and you can't argue with him, he also had a problem with the sheet of Rabbi Eliezer. What was his challenge? Makish kod shnia, There needs to be, there has to be a comparison between the moment before she gets married on the, of the, for the second time and the moment she got married the first time. Ma kod rishona, when a simple, regular, single girl gets engaged, she's not tethered to anybody else. She's good to go. She can get married. So too, it should also be the case of that when she gets married, it can't be that she's stuck and trapped that she can't marry another person. Rabbi Yeshua himself also says, Rabbi Eliezer, I don't understand you. I don't get it. It should be the case that when a woman gets married, she's clean and free to marry whoever she wants. It's mutter for her to marry. The husband, the Megarish, can't stipulate that she can't marry Chaim. That's not me. That's not a divorce. That's not Croesus. It has to be that when someone's getting married, that they're allowed to marry anyone that is legal for them to marry. You can't put this rule into place. We therefore see the Rabbi Yoshua himself, even though he says outright that our shitas mean, not, mean nothing, no matter what, we have to paskin like Rabbi Eliezer. It's true, but Rabbi Yeshua still has a hard time with Rabbi Eliezer's shita. Says the Gemara, Gufa, we had learned twice in the Brisas at the bottom of Pei Gimel Amid Aleph, we had learned as follows. We had learned, Moda Rabbi Eliezer Ishto, that there was a case scenario where Rabbi Eliezer would agree that a woman was allowed to marry this Chaim, the man that the husband wouldn't allow to marry. In a case where a husband was Megarashi, you could marry anyone you want with the exception of Chaim. And then she married another random guy, and uh, she was then widowed or divorced. No kids were born. Then she's allowed to marry Chaim. Says the Gemara, Hey Shivrib Shimon Ben Elazar, Bar Elazar, Chuva Ladivi Rabbi Eliezer. He says, I don't understand. Hey Chan Matzin Ushaze Oser Vizematir. Wouldn't he be in the brothers? Only if there are brothers. Obviously, you have to build the case that so the Gemara is presenting a case that allows her to marry. Of course, there's no brothers in this case. Otherwise, for sure, that would be a complicating factor. But usually in halacha, when we're trying to analyze a case, you could ask that question, but the que- it's not it's not the right question. What? It's just not the right question. The Gemara is creating a pristine scenario to test the limits of halacha. So here, what Rabbi Eliezer was saying is that if this woman got married to David in the marketplace, they had no kids. They, got, I mean, they were married for an hour. It was a bad marriage, bad idea. Right. Then they go straight to Bezdin and divorce. Then she's allowed to marry Chaim. If, if she has brothers, of course the case would change. Pasha. So it's obvious from the Gemara that that's not there. Uh-huh. So then Rabbi Shimon bar Lazar uh, says there's a tshuva, he says something that's difficult. I don't understand. What is the precedent 
How, listen to this. How can we have it be the case that the Megaresh, Ruvain, is the one who creates the Isser on Chayim? And when she divorces husband number two, or more accurately, when husband number two divorces her, when David divorces her, what ends up happening? She can then marry Chayim. How, how, how does that? Because there's no kids, right? Because there's no kids, for sure. Otherwise, the kids would be a mom, Mamzerim which is still difficult to say. Yeah. But those cases are so sir one another. That requires Rishonim. That's not for us. So says the Gemara, where's the precedence where the Megaresh makes it usher for her to marry Chaim? But David, when she divorces Rachel, makes it mutter for her to marry Chaim. Says the Gemara, Velo, we have precedence like this all over Shas. Says the Gemara, Vehare Yevama de Baal Oser Mater. Yevama, that uh, becomes usher to other people by the Baal. And the Yavam can be matir that. By, uh, that. Then she's allowed to get married to the Yavam. So says the Gemara, Hasam Yavam Huka Asarla. You're right, the Yavam was the one who made it Asar. Had it been that it was from the husband, then Hasharya Vakaima, she would have been totally fine. It was not the husband who made her Asar, it was the Yavam who made her Asar. Otherwise, without, without there being a brother, so is what you were asking in the other case, had there, had there not been a brother, it's the Yavam that makes her usher. It's not the husband that makes her usher to other people. It's the Yavam. So therefore, that's not a question. Says the Gemara, fine. If I make a neder, I make something usher on myself. Then I go to Bezdin. They're matir what I did. Says the Gemara, no. I'm the one who brought it upon myself. And I'm the one who undoes it with charata. Yes, granted, in the presence of a bezdin. But this is also a case where we see these two scenarios. We have the case of a faris habal, where a husband is able to undo the nether of a wife. Who started it? She did. The isha no deres. She took a nether that she's never going to sleep in a bed, whatever the case may be. The baal says, sorry, no start. Nothing, non-starter. So who started it? She did. Who ended it? He did. So says the Gemara. That's another case of precedent. Says the Gemara. No. Hasam kidera pinchas mishmei derava. Damara pinchas mishmei derava. Kol hanu deres al das baila hino deres. That when a woman makes a neder, she does so al das baila, and therefore it's all within the umbrella of the husband. When she made the neder in the first place, it was only binding or not binding because of the husband. Now, we omitted something on the bottom of the last page. When we were analyzing all of the shitas that argued with Rabbi Eliezer, we had said that there were five shitas. We learned Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Osi Aglili. We learned Rabbi Lazar ben, we learned, uh, what is it, Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Osi Aglili, uh, Rabbi Akiva, A, Rabbi Akiva B, and we skipped one. We skipped Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. And remember that Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah was the only one that was irrefutable. His argument was actually good. Now we're going to analyze that one. Two-thirds of the way down. He takes, uh, we're calling it simple. He's a ton. I don't mean to minimize. But the simplest approach is, this is not called Krisus. Rabbi Eliezer, when you say that she's allowed to marry anyone in the universe except for Chaim, that's not called Krisus. Krisus is when you're done with her, not when you still have a cloud over her head. Very glott, very simple. Says the Gemara, says the Gemara, this was our case scenario where there was no refutation. This was the strongest and only standing argument against Rabbi Lazar ben Az uh, Rabbi Eliezer. 
So it's a machlokas, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Lozer ben Azariah. And Rabbi Lozer ben Azariah says to Rabbi Eliezer, although he didn't say this to him because they weren't they weren't alive at the same time that this conversation happened, he says, "You're not making sense. This is there's no krisus there if she's still not allowed to marry Chaim." And if that's true, then that means that the word krisus teaches us that. And if so, virabanan. What, what did the other shittas hold? If you hold that krisis is limiting, and therefore you can't have chayim, you can't have a restriction, so how does this work? How krisis, my avdile? What does the word krisis mean? Because according to Rabbi Eliezer, it's meant to hold the cloud. According to Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, that's not krisis. So therefore, it must be that Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, Rabbi Eliezer holds me, boy, lehu lichadatanya. It must be that all of the other rabbis, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yossi Aglili, and Rabbi Tarfon, that they all hold if a man says that you're never going to drink wine, that you won't go to my father's house, the din is according to all of the other uh, Tanoim, they say that the reason for the word Christus is to teach us that 30 days is the is when we when it's uh, 30 days and less is called Christus. 31 days and more is not called Christus. If your condition breaks 30 days, you're in violation of Christus. Then you're not divorced. You're allowed to put in a short-term stipulation. And that's what the word krisos means. And that's why they don't learn like Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. V'idach, what would Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah say back to them? Says the Gemara, mikares krisos nafka. He says, nah, I learned that out because really the Torah just should have said the chasavla sefer krisos. It could have just said the chasavla sefer kares. Why does the Torah call krisos? To teach us that you can have two implications. According to Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, we learn two, learn, learn two things from the word krisos. Number one, we learn that krisus is and if you put a condition in, like Rabbi Eliezer did, it doesn't work. And also that there's a 30-day condition limit before krisus kicks in. And the idach says the Gemara that the Rabbanan would argue back to that, that kares krisus lodarshi. The fact that the word krisus is written a little bit longer than it should have been, those extra letters are not room for Adrasha. And therefore, there is no machlokas between them on that Nakuda. We're going to stop right here. I'll record tomorrow's year and post for you, Amir Sashem, in the early morning hours. And Wednesday, I'll do the same early morning hours. And then Amir Sashem will pick up on Thursday in person. Wishing you all a beautiful night.